Hey everybody, Joe here from the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. If you enjoy what we do here on the show and you think it's worth your hard-earned money, you can support the show via Patreon. Just a $1 donation gets you access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and regular episodes before everybody else. If you donate at an elevated level, you get even more bonus content. A digital copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, and a sticker from our Teespring store. Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Curtis Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today. And now back to the show. Hello, and welcome to another lovely episode of Lines Up by Donkeys podcast. I'm Joe, and with me again, uh, returning champion of, I don't know, five, six times now, Sarah of It Came From The Sea. Hello, Hello. Sarah. I'm here. Um, the, the fans uh, enjoy the Sarah episodes. so uh, I enjoy the Sarah episodes, yeah. so I don't really I also care if the fans enjoy do. The, I fucking hate them. I hate them so much. <laughs> we have spent hours recording podcasts together. Um, and if you're a regular listener of the show, you've probably noticed that over the course of the last several months, a lot of our episodes have been dark, um, to say the least. Uh, and I thought it would be a very good idea to do one that is not so soul crushing. Uh, and Sarah actually gave me the idea to do the military career, the illustrious, heroic military career of L. Ron Hubbard. I'm going to be honest, when I like threw that out there in like an Adderall fueled like haze of like, here's some random ideas, I really didn't think there'd be more than like a paragraph or two for you to read about. Good news. There is a lot. Hell yeah. Um, uh, Well, to be all right. So there really wouldn't be if he was just some guy that did not go out and in fact found a one of the largest cults in the world currently. That's what it would be. He would just be another shitbag um, during a time like in World War II where there had to be just so many of them because of the draft and lowering standards for officers, which is how he ended up getting in. Um, yeah, that We love lowering standards. <laughs> like he, he wouldn't even be a blip on the radar. Well, with the exception of that time, he attacked Mexico. But we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how much like... Before we, this is your idea. And this is actually, I can say with certainty that this is the first episode we've done that I can remember off the top of my head where absolutely nobody dies. Um, Oh, yeah. Because Scientology doesn't come until later and that will kill some people. Um, We're only here for the shenanigans. We're not here for the murder. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, If only uh, a Lafayette Ronald Hubbard uh, uh, believed in that. Um, I got to say, for a for a guy He's named a Lafayette, naval name, yeah, exactly. His dad was in the, in the Navy. Navy. Yeah, okay. His dad's a fucking nerd, then. Yeah, his dad is a nerd, uh, and from everything I can tell, a normal naval officer. Um, but unfortunately, his son is Elron Hubbard. Um, I mean, if you're or, a normal naval officer, it's not saying good things about you. No, I didn't mean that as a compliment, <laughs> <laughs> um, or any officer for that matter. Uh, and uh, like, he very clearly wanted to be his dad. Uh, like he actually claims a medal that his dad has, which no longer existed. <laughs> um, that is the weakest form of stolen valor. <laughs> yeah, and I, I guess I should I should preface this whole thing with like I don't care about stolen valor. I don't I don't see it as this no. like um un 
like unassailable sin that people uh, use it's, to get free food or whatever. It's I don't care. Just kind of sad. Yeah, it's 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 nerd shit. I don't care. It is, however, very very funny when you establish an entire cult using it as a foundation. Um, if you do that, then yeah, I'm gonna laugh at you. If you're just some guy trying to get like 10 percent off your key or whatever, like I hope it works. Yeah, good luck, man. If you're <laughs> just trying luck, to get dude. free appetizers from Chili's on Veterans Day, fucking power to you. Yeah, I never go. Use mine. Yeah, um, you can have my like expired dependent ID from when I used to be married. Keep it. <laughs> um, now, we're not going to dive in a lot about the church because this all happened before then. Uh, but we do have to bring up the church because, uh, like I was explaining to Sarah before we started recording, the reason that we know as much as we know is because the church was very, very stupid. And as anybody who's paid attention to the Church of Scientology, they know they're incredibly litigious, or at least they used to be. That's kind of died now that the internet you kind of overpowers their so. lawyers. They come Not at me, motherfuckers. Bots for a problem. <laughs> come at me. Um, uh, please don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> please don't come at me. Leave me alone. Um, Parody. Uh, public use or something. Um, but in the 80s, one of their members defected, uh, who was also the church's uh, biographer for LRH. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, so they sued him for uh, like betrayal of, of trust and contract or whatever, because he took a lot of those documents with him that proved <laughs> everything that LRH was saying. And yes, I've been reading enough about, this, about the Church of Scientology over the last two days. I am now calling him LRH. <laughs> it's quicker um, that way. It's easier for everybody. Yeah. Um, hey, look, when your first name is Lafayette, you get a nickname, all right? Um, uh, but... Uh, Still laughing so they, over there. <laughs> um, but they challenged him in court, which meant that they had to prove that these documents were were real, and they failed miserably. But now they're <laughs> also in the public uh, the public arena for people to download and stuff. Not to mention, yes. people have read um, one of the main sources I'm using is a book called Barefaced Messiah. It's very very good, um, and you know it. They lay it all out pretty pretty easily. Uh, though that is mostly about the church's uh, uh, establishment as a whole and onto his death. Like, I only had to use a very little bit of it because his military career, like you point out, not that long. Right. Um, though, uh, and so I do have to say, uh, if you don't know anything about the church, some of this is going to fly over your head. Um, I assume most people have some kind of bare level understanding of it. Um, and if you don't, I will say it's exactly like um, uh, delving into several things thousand pages of badly written sci-fi because he's a sci-fi <laughs> author and he's a I, he, he is the strictest definition of pulp sci-fi that you can have is what he wrote and not the good kind i own a copy of dianetics because i found it in a used bookshop in the like occult section um, <laughs> and it is shit i obviously like haven't bothered to read the whole thing but you skim through it and you're just like wow nobody in the church has actually read this much like I most think churches. they have to i think they passed tests uh, on it or something that is just like it is just bad sci-fi. Right. I mean, it doesn't have like, it's supposed to be a self-help book, but it has like an erupting volcano on the cover. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's kind of <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Though, in order to talk about why the Navy is such a, uh, a funny thing to make fun of in regards to LRH, we have to explain a little bit about the church and why having an obsession with the Navy <laughs> as well as naval iconography is the foundation of the church. Um, now, most people are probably vaguely aware of the existence of something called the Sea Org um, or Sea Organization. They like to call everything orgs for some reason. Yeah. 
Um, spacey. Cool. Yeah, 100%. Um, Your books would sell better if everything written in them was about something orcs. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to work on that. Um, yeah. I will say one thing about L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, Dianetics has certainly sold more copies than any of my books. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't start a cult or a church, and that's really where Yet. you're going wrong here. Yet. To be fair, he was in his 50s before he started his. I got time. I got time. Yep. I got time. <laughs> Uh, but effectively, the Sea Org is supposed to be the Space Navy um, uh, that is supposed to clear the world. Uh, it, it is the the ecclesiastical arm of the church. And I mean that in the most threatening way possible. What, what does ecclesiastical actually mean? Um, they're the ones kind of in charge of dogma. Um, okay. they're, they're, they, ex- they consider them a um, uh, like, like uh, they're... I don't know. They wouldn't. They certainly wouldn't call them a zealot. Um, okay, but it's like the most like extreme and most dedicated part. Yeah, they're considered a fr- legally a fraternal religious order, and they like they do that. They they call them this legally, like they're their clergy almost, because that means legally they don't have to pay them. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like a prison ship, right? Isn't that part of it? Oh, the free winds, you mean? Uh, we'll get oh, that. We'll, fuck? Okay, we'll never get there. Mind. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pretend I don't know anything because apparently I don't. Let's do it. So at the establishment of the church, um, actually, I don't know if they were specifically calling it a church quite yet. It was maybe in its beginning forms. They had a whole ass Navy. They had like a flotilla. They had several ships. What? Um, yeah. I think it was like three or four. Um, and that's were where they-, they existed. Like LRH was living on a boat just out of his mind on fucking pills. Um, And they mostly bounced around like the Mediterranean getting evicted out of ports and shit uh, because they were doing crimes. Like you can't just form a Navy and randomly show up places. (laughs) Did they sail from like the US to the Mediterranean or did they start in the Med and then just tool around there? I think they started in California as all bad things do. Um, I haven't made fun of California a lot on this show. I need to make up for that. Yeah, we really got to work on it. Yeah. Um, I just like the thought of, I know, I know the Sea Org's been around. I didn't realize it was like, maybe I did at some point. I, I don't know. I, I either didn't realize or didn't remember that it, it was so, like, it basically has lasted as long as the church has. But the thought of yeah. just like LRH, old, sweaty, full of pills, just yelling <laughs> at people from a cabin as they have to sail for weeks on end to get to the Mediterranean is extremely funny to me. And demanding that everybody call him Commodore with a hat and everything. You can well, see he he's actually got multiple, didn't... multiple ships. Yeah. that makes him a Commodore. He ha- he did a interview with, I think, the BBC or something during this time. And I have to say, if you've never seen LRH in full <laughs> pill, mo- like pill mode, it's it's a sight to see. Like, for one, he looks like he chews on rocks. Like, I don't, he, <laughs> um, he's like what? very red. His teeth are fucked. Um, I mean, he's he's had a lifelong smoking problem, and it, like and it one shows. One of the rock eaters for the never-ending story. <laughs> Except he's just chewing into particularly hard fucking volumes or something. Um, he has a very fancy smooshed Commodore's hat, and he speaks in like an old-timey theater accent. Um, despite the fact he is very American, he does not naturally have an accent at all. Um. But and not to, and another fun thing about this navy is it was staffed by people who had no fucking experience on boats, so people were just getting like grievously injured because they had no idea what they were doing. 
Um, It had worked so well for him in the past, you know? Right. The closest thing to experience came from him, who was a career-long shitbag in the Navy, and I think spent at most three months accumulatively on ships in the Navy. Um, So... Uh, nowadays, this the the Scientology Navy no longer exists. Uh, they do have one boat called the Free Winds, which I believe is like a converted old timey luxury cl- cruise liner from the fifties or sixties. So it's actually not as big as that sounds. Um, but it is where the uh, they go to learn all the Xenu shit, like OT level nine or whatever. Um, it's okay. for the richest, and by uh, by that I mean the dumbest members of the cult, because um, they've been members for years. They've paid so much money to learn all this stuff, um, and also it's incredibly badly maintained. And at one point, was shut down for asbestos abatement. Though uh, I mean, that just sounds like every cruise I've ever heard of, though. Yeah, and since it's, I think it's flagged out of the U.S., they actually had to take care of it rather than like flagging it out of I don't know Liberia, like people do, and they're like, actually, it's legally allowed to be on fire. Yeah. We're allowed to own slaves, actually. There's no laws against it. Now, the really weird part here about the Sea Org itself is it can be fairly described as a weird religious militia that allows child semen. Um, Like, because you can join. You (laughs) can't. Technically, they're semen. They're semen. They're child semen. This child soldiers doesn't work. Sailors, they're just sailors. Semen is a rank. I, I, they're they're ranked semen. Actually, that's not what they're ranked. Uh, their lowest rank is swamper able rate. <laughs> 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 uh, so child swampers. I stand. I, yeah, uh, I stand by my previous statement that the Church of Scientology supports child semen. Um, <laughs> Let it be known that I tried. <laughs> An attempt was made to walk that back, and no. Like, you can legally be a minor and join the Sea Org. Uh, I think it requires a parental uh, uh, signature or something, uh, and I, it's pretty young. Uh, but like, like I said, the church considers them a fraternal or a religious order. Um, though you should also look up the fact that they wear over-the-top naval uniforms. Everybody has to wear. They have enlisted and officer ranks. Um, and yeah, uh, and they're pretty rigidly enforced. Like I saw more than one story of members of the Sea Org who have since defected who said like, yeah, I got thrown in like a slave camp for like a week cause I didn't call someone sir once. Oh, oh yeah. I haven't gotten to the slave camps yet. They have a large system of slave camps. <laughs> um, all the best, you know, all the best organizations have these things. I have looked up a picture of their uniforms and the funniest shit to me is that they just look like the most uncomfortable, like actual Navy uniforms. They look like if you were like, I want to dress up like a uh, like I'm in the Navy for Halloween, so you get a spirit Halloween. Um, yeah, but they're like they're using versions of the uniform that everybody in the Navy just fucking hated wearing. I mean, to be, I I bet these guys hate wearing it too. Because like they're doing the worst fucking manual labor on earth while dressed like I don't know the Waffen SS. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um. Oh, they also have a special branch. You want to guess what it's called? What's it for? Tell me what its purpose and I'll try to guess. I don't know. Um, so we only know it exists due to a comment from David Miscavige, who's the current leader of the church. I cannot find don't any ask new... Don't about his wife. Don't ask about his wife. That's going to get us sued. Um, <laughs> uh, it, but other than the fact that we know they exist in some form or another, we have no idea what they do. But since this is a church that has once literally infiltrated the government more successfully than any foreign... Uh, uh, government ever has we can assume they do weird and uh, probably illegal things i got nothing um, what are what are they called something or the seals 
That's right. The Sea Org has <laughs> Navy like, SEALs. They're not even trying. And the dumbest part is that's an acronym. It stands oh, for like right. Sea, Land, and Air. So do they now also have an Air yeah. Force that we're not aware of? Sea, Land, and like the Airwaves? Huh? <laughs> Radio Sea Org? Oh, God, that sounds terrible. <laughs> Though it probably does exist. Plays um, human music and just like recordings <laughs> of LRH. He has the weirdest fucking voice. It, I don't know how to explain it other than like, this is what uh, uh, like Gilbert Godfrey listens for for ASMR. Like it, it, it it's the, I don't, I don't fucking Rest know. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, homie. I'm sorry you didn't deserve that. Uh, but the camp system is called the Rehabilitation Project Force. Oh, sure. They also, they also really like the term force. Um, but it's te- legally, you can leave whenever you want, of course. Mm. Um, but, you know, the practice of the church is if, like, you quit, nobody you know, to include your family, can never associate with you ever again. Um, but they also have the Project Rehabilitation uh, 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 Force Force, which is people who fuck up in that get sent to the worst version of that. Um, Wait, but no, do they really just call it the, like, the, the Rehabilitation Force Force? Like, you failed the first one, we're just going to do it again, but harder? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, they even, they, this includes, like, legitimate prison cells, uh, like... Pits. I've heard the word pit used more than once. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, this is ran by the Sea Org, but also there's like Sea Org members put in it. Um, yeah. Is it all uh, on the boat? No, no. The free winds is for like the rich people. They don't. They don't do their oh, weird okay. slavery shit on the free winds. That's like that's okay. very front facing. Um, and to join them, you have to you have to sign a literal billion year contract. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. <laughs> um. Now, of course, they explain this as like, it's a show of your devotion to the church. I call it creepy. Um, yeah. Universally, every single member of the Sea Org that has left the church says they get treated like shit. They're physically and mentally abused. They're not paid, barely fed, and they're used as labor until you die or run away. Um, and there's weird sex rules, too. Um, you cannot have sex. Um, you, you can get married, but then you have to leave uh, the Sea Org. So... Oh, but you this have, is just for the Sea Org. This isn't all of Scientology. Yeah. Okay, so no, Sea Org is just like their little incel battalion. Yeah, but there is some pretty strict rules about premarital sex within the church anyway. Oh, I believe that, yeah. Um, of course, if you're famous, these rules don't apply. Look, uh, case in point, uh, all of the members of the church being got for uh, uh, sexual assault um, and that, that yeah. the church tried to cover up. Yeah. Now, Yay. They're, see, they're just trying to make themselves more mainstream by covering up sex cr- sex criminals. They thought that was the line they had to cross in order to be accepted. They learned um, it from watching you, Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> just David Miscavige looking at the Pope like, I thought you said this would get us across the line. Oh, God. Um, now, as as weird and, and kind of funny as a, a vet bro starting a cult that forces people to cosplay as the Space Navy is. I mean, um, BRC is so close to that already. They're there very close. Yeah. It's somehow worse because at least like uh, even though LRH is a fraud um, and a horrible person, uh, dead or otherwise, at least he couched his and like self-help, even if it didn't work and it was incredibly yeah. abusive. like. Black Rifle Coffee is like, we just like saying slurs and drinking overpriced coffee. Yeah. It's like, what if we opened a Starbucks in Rhodesia? That, that's, that, that is Black Rifle Coffee. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it should be known that L. Ron Hubbard was in the Navy. He was a commissioned officer and he did serve during World War II. I will not say he fought in World War II because he didn't. Uh, <laughs> he was, in fact, there. 
Um, it's more than any of us can say, really. Yeah, I mean, true. I mean, I don't know. Fetal me may have not existed yet, but you know. Now, however, what that service entails depends entirely who you ask. If you ask the Church of Scientology, which they will not answer your emails, I have tried. Uh, <laughs> L. Ron Hubbard is a goddamn war hero whose true service is being suppressed by the United States government because of, well, two reasons. They decide on which uh, uh, at different times. Either religious persecution or because he works so intensely with the Office of Special Naval Operations they could never reveal what he did. Yeah, we found out that they, like, immediately kidnapped a bunch of Nazis right after World War II. Like, they couldn't keep that secret. There's no way they're keeping, like, LRH's bullshit secret. Yeah, exactly. Right. Of all of the things that we've learned that, like, no, like, there's one guy, like, like that church in Ethiopia that believes that they have, like, the Ark of the Covenant. They have one, like, junior grade lieutenant sit on a box with LRH's original (laughs) DD-214 on it. (laughs) <laughs> and he is blinded, so he cannot read it. And every ten right. years, they have to swap out with a new fucking naval academy grad. Well, no, it's every. It's actually every six years because they hire your tenure out, but you know, <laughs> fresh blood and all that. Now, if you ask the U.S. Navy, uh, on the other hand, Hubbard had a short very eventful career of him being a complete and total fuck up, uh, all while faking a series of illnesses and possibly a terrorist attack to get out of work and then bilk the VA for money. And I really hate to say that because that's the one redeeming quality of that he has is that he did try to cheat the VA at any other point in history. Go for it. World war two, kind of the one time you probably should have done your job. (laughs) (laughs) It's the one time it's the one time where we were fighting Nazis. You probably should have done your job the one time. Yeah, uh, and also I couldn't even tell you really what his job was uh, because he got fired from so many of them. The <laughs> Navy was like, we just have to find something to use this officer for. Uh, did he enter uh, as an officer? Did he go like... Yes. Okay. Um, so this podcast ventures to find what story is the right one. The Navy's. The, the Navy's is the right one. And this oh, is the only yeah. time I ever get to say that the U.S. Navy was right. Um you got me. L. Ron Hubbard got it. me to admit the Navy was right about something. Um, Hubbard, and this may surprise you, Sarah, and people listening, is something of a constant pathological liar about everything to do with his entire life. Um, like his history, any point of his life, you can probably find a point that he lied about it. Um, and uh, at this point, we really only know what really happened due to the extensive paperwork the military keeps on anybody who's ever had the misfortune of walking into one of their offices. Um, yeah. Though the the church did try really hard to also fabricate that, and that's where the, the court comes in later. Um, now, let's tell the church's side of the story first, because I cannot explain to you just how funny it is. <laughs> um, now, this is from the church's own website. Quote, On his return from Helena, Montana in September 1927, he joined the Montana National Guard. This is true. He did join the Montana National Guard. from Montana? Uh, He ended up there. His dad was in the Navy and then did like government work and bounced around a lot. Um, At this part of his life, he tries to make himself sound like some like Indiana Jones level adventurer for some reason, despite the fact he is 16 years old. Um, (laughs) And in church history, this is where he claims he's some kind of like Blackfoot Native American tribe blood brother or some insane shit. Yeah, it's just why he he does this a lot for any white person in history. Stop trying. He could run for president (laughs) now, but 
he was only 16 uh, when he joined the National Guard. But, but, you know, it was 1927. You could just be like, yeah, I'm 18. They're like, cool. Right. Like, right. what are they going to do? Fucking reference your paperwork with something else? Um, and uh, this is telling because he does look to be about nine years old in the pictures that I've seen. Uh, <laughs> he's he's not one of those people that uh, he might be 16, but he looks to be about 19. Absolutely not. He, he looks every bit of, of 10. Um, now, the only thing the church says during this time is, quote, he joins the 163rd Infantry, distinguishes himself as a marksman, and edits the high school newspaper. <laughs> All equally important things. Um, I can't say if he did or didn't do any of this, uh, though I should point out in his official records, which like if I don't know if things have changed since then, if you've had prior service, like all that shit rolls over onto your onto your records like you don't have mm-hmm. separate military records for all of the different like that all gets compiled. Uh, there's nothing in there about ever give, being given any award by the Montana National Guard. Um, uh, no, he was a child and it was during like peacetime. What award would he have gotten? Oh, some kind of marksmanship badge, since that's the only okay, thing he likes to like, point out that he did there. But even that is like they hand those to you at boot camp. I imagine they've yeah, but always still on your been record. doing that. Yeah, that's true. Um, but he leaves the guard pretty soon after joining it, and then joins the Marine Reserves in 1930 when he's 19. Um, and it's part of like this training program because he's attending George Washington University for various different uh, brainy shit. Um, and there's, it wasn't like JRTC or ROTC or anything like that. I think this is before then. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, a, it's a training unit, uh, attached to his college. Also, he never graduates that college, uh, though the church insists that he did, um, Working which class also, hero LRH <laughs> also it begs the question how the fuck you got a commission in the Navy. Yeah, right? <laughs> Cause he joins before world war two. Um, but, uh, nobody like he never graduated from any college anybody's ever been able to find. Um, not the a church- requirement at the time? Uh, maybe he got a pass because his dad was an officer. That's the only thing I could think Honestly, of. Yeah, th- could the Navy that. notes in his record that he was a college dropout. Uh, the Navy loves it some nepotism too, though. Yeah, especially back then. That, that oh, shit yeah. ran on nepotism. It's baked right in. Um, the church's website says absolutely nothing about his time in the, in the Marine Reserve. And I might know why. He joined the reserves for only one year, though in his personal interviews, he claimed that he was promoted to the rank of first sergeant. Now, for people um, who are unaware, uh, he is 19 years old, and this is a rank that can normally take people 20 years to attain. Um, yeah. Yeah. Didn't, didn't happen. Um, in Probably the book, not. Yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to shake the magic eight ball here and say, uh, uh, Unlikely. Um, in the book, Barefaced Messiah, and Hubbard insists that he was giving glowing reviews during his one year of service for, quote, military efficiency, obedience, and sobriety. Um, which, to be clear, in peacetime Marine Reserve, I could see as someone be like, congratulations, you're sober. <laughs> yeah. You didn't get into an alcohol-related incident this year. You are the is, one. I- I don't even believe that because no, one year later he was given an honorable discharge with a note on his paperwork that said, quote, not to be reenlisted. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody has any idea why. Um, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, now, like you can get things like in, in modern day stuff. Like, for instance, if uh, if I was to reenlist, I would have a different code on my paperwork because I signed a de- declination of continued service statement. Uh, when they were trying to give me orders of Germany, I just didn't want to go. Uh, mm-hmm. So that bars me from reenlistment while I'm in and changes my reenlistment code. However, it does not bar me from rejoining. 
Yeah. He did he did something that barred him from joining the Marine Reserve. <laughs> but wasn't bad enough that they like specified it or like kept him from joining anywhere else. They were just like, and we don't still we don't want him. Yeah, and it was Anybody still else could take him. Yeah, exactly. So like what the fuck? Honestly, after listening to the way LRH talks about himself <laughs> and how he writes, I think they're just like, look, just we he didn't necessarily do anything to get to center this charge, but someone get this fucking nerd away from <laughs> us. We just don't want to fucking deal with them anymore. Now, pointing, I'm pointing at his pre-naval service uh, now because in the grand scheme of things, it's considered so important that nobody ever really talks about it. The church barely even mentions it. It doesn't even... It, it, like, you can tell that it's considered unimportant because the church hardly lies about it. Mm-hmm. Um, in comparison to his naval career, it's not nearly as funny. Uh, Hubbard joins the Navy in the summer of 1941 and is commissioned as a lieutenant junior grade in the Naval Reserve. He was actually in the Naval Reserve his whole career, because yeah. if you if you listen to the date, that's right before shit's about to go sideways in yeah. the world, and a whole lot of people in the Naval Reserve are going to find themselves in the active duty Navy, uh, which includes him. And the funny thing is, is, back then, I don't know if they still do this or not. Like whenever he had to sign his paperwork or whatever, uh, he'd like lieutenant, junior grade, and then there was like a series of of. Uh, of numbers after it and numbers and letters that denoted what his job was mm-hmm. uh, and branch. And in court later, someone would point to the series of numbers and say, see, that means intelligence branch. He was in the office of Naval intelligence. And like uh, someone points out like that means Naval reserve. <laughs> um, no, it doesn't mean he was an Intel. It means he was barely in the Navy. See, the thing is there is a, for every good lie, right? There's a crumb of, of truth and there is, right truth here he was in the office of naval intelligence for about five months <laughs> <laughs> so he uh, was commissioned and the church points out that he was assigned to the office of naval intelligence which at which point he was then seconded to the u.s Hy- uh, hydrographic office okay um the church then says he spent five months on a voyage uh, that covered 1500 miles through the puget sound into alaska where of course because he always likes his see himself as an adventurer and a discoverer and Indiana Jones and shit. Um, he became best friends with the Lucian natives um, because no. of course he did. Uh, LRH never tells happened. a story where every native person fawns over him like white Jesus. Right. Oh no. Um, but the thing is like, that also is like he was, he did such a good job that he was awarded by the Bureau of Marine inspection uh, and navigation, the masters of steam and motor vessels license. That's literally just an operator's license for a boat. Yeah, I would say that's not an award. No, it's not. No. He went to school for it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Fuck. Now, uh, uh, we'll, we'll get to what he was really doing during those five months, but I will say none of that happened. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's then dispatched to Australia as World War II starts, where he, quote, coordinates relief for the beleaguered forces under General Douglas MacArthur. And I'm going to assume here that the church mm. means fighting in the Philippines um, or the Bataan Peninsula uh, at this time. Cause it doesn't actually say what was going on there because you know, if, if it doesn't involve him directly, it's unimportant. Yeah. And like, then, what is it? So he was like MWR coordinator. Uh, less than that. Um, so <laughs> just organized beer runs. Uh, so this is still according to the church. He then goes, according to them, became a naval instructor and chief navigation officer and is elected to the U.S. Naval School of Military Government at, at Princeton University. The church also points out that he was wounded at this point. Uh, it, this is the first time. There's a there's a second time 
uh, he is wounded, according to the church, in the Atlantic. Uh, where exactly they took place and how changes. Uh, I mean, even Hubbard has changed his own story. Uh, uh, this is a, a pretty brief summary of the naval career that uh, would literally go on to influence and found the very beginnings of their church. And it's very abbreviated. It did not used to be that way for very good reason. They had to abbreviate it. Um, and remember, fleet of cult ships is involved here at one point. Um, and uh, these wounds that he suffered, uh, whatever they might be, though they claim that it was shrapnel. Uh, he claims he was shot, but it also it I, always I goes uh, no. Uh, and either they say in, outside of Java, and then oh. vaguely the Atlantic at some point. Um, but all of his medical records, they come back to saying he was blinded, quote blinded and crippled. Um, and he used dianetics to recover from these wounds, uh, which course, is. Yes. Yes, is how he sells it. Um, sure, cool. You use yep. self help to get over a bullet wound. I'd really like to see how you did. It's like, oh god, I have a sucking chest wound. Quick, think positive thoughts. Here, just read chicken soup for the soul. <laughs> just cramming chicken soup for the dog lover's soul into someone's <laughs> bloody stump. That'll do it. Um, <laughs> nailed it. Um, as we're about to go over these very wildly uh, from his real record and the reason that's according to the church, that these are fakes as is being used for his extensive operations within the Office of Naval Intelligence or also religious persecution, whichever. Hubbard's story changed a ton when he was alive and at various different, uh, the various different stories that he told really do not add up. Uh, but at various points, he was fighting in the Pacific while taking, in com- taking command of a Corvette in the Atlantic. I really like to believe since he's lying so much, this is just literally a Chevy Corvette. <laughs> just just got like, one of those like fucking off-base loans. Just flipping like shitties in the middle of the Pacific anymore. Ocean in his sports car. Um, the, in the official biography published by the church, he was in command of an entire squadron of British ships somehow. I don't know how to what? tell them that that's not how the military works. Um, they're not just gonna all right you just borrowed an entire squadron yeah just give me your navy real quick yeah the the british very famous for for liking american military officers at this period of time um hubbard names one of these corvettes uh that he's supposedly in command of the mist hold on to that name for later because it actually gets funny where he actually got that name from that is not Um, the way the u.s names vessels but go on no, also, there's never a, na- a, a Corvette oh. named that um, in either country they checked. Um, though somehow he was wounded on this ship in the Atlantic, uh, during, according to an interview by him in the 50s. Now, please don't consider this an exhaustive study of his lies because I, that, that's a, <laughs> a whole podcast series into it. So like, that's their version of the lines led by donkeys, except it's about LRH history. <laughs> um, I'm only talking about the ones that we know specifically got caught up in court drama and therefore easily debunkable. Well, now let's get to the re- <laughs> now let's get to his real record because holy shit! Um, for starters, he never worked for the Office of Naval Intelligence or the Hydrographic Office. Uh, he was assigned there. Um, he was assigned to the Naval Intelligence Office for five months in upstate New York for training. <laughs> so just in Tradoc. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they wanted to make him an intelligence officer. He was just so bad oh, at it, they couldn't. He failed out of Tradoc. He didn't fail out of Tradoc. However, he failed himself out of a whole branch of, of, of the Navy. Excellent. So work. after he graduated uh, in this five-month period is where they have him playing Indiana Jones out in Alaska. He was in a classroom in upstate New York. Afterwards, he's, he was sent to Australia. And he did send supplies to MacArthur and U.S. forces on Bataan. 
Small problem, though. That wasn't his fucking job, and nor was he allowed to do that. (laughs) What? So, yeah. uh, Instead, he ordered a blockade runner that was called the Don Isidro, who was on another mission altogether. uh, He was like a liaison for the intelligence attache of the U.S. Navy to Australia. He was an an aide. And he then shanghaied a ship that was on a completely different mission and then simply told it to go to Bataan under the auspices of the authority of his boss, which I should point out was 3,000 miles away from where it was supposed to be. Yeah, what the fuck? What what supplies did he have on board? (laughs) I don't know. Was he on the vessel or did he just spend the vessel? He was in Australia. (laughs) I think he was in Brisbane. Um, What the fuck? This got him immediately fired because, yeah, um, his supervisor, the intelligence attache, then cabled to Washington, D.C., and this is a direct quote from the cable, quote, by assuming unauthorized authority and attempting to perform duties which he has no qualifications, he became the source of much trouble. This officer is not satisfactory for independent duty assignment. He is garrulous and tries to give the impressions of his own importance. He also seems to think he has an unusual ability in every line. These characteristics indicate that he will require close supervision for satisfactory performance in any intelligence duty. Oh my god. <laughs> he stole the whole ship. That indirectly. is scathing, too. They're describing you- him the way you might describe a like character from a mid-aught sitcom. Just like, <laughs> he thinks they're good at everything. And like, tellingly, if this wasn't World War II, this would get him sent to prison. Like, oh, right, for yeah. sure. <laughs> It is wild that in the mid, like, it's worse that it happened in World War II, but they also have fewer options because it's fucking World War II. That that speaks to his entire career. Like, in Boldface Messiah and this other uh, resource I use called Ron the War Hero. Great title, honestly. Um, it really, everything boils down to he was only still in the Navy because they fucking had to. Oh, my God. But it sounds like he's just a detriment more than anything, though, too. 100%. So like, he never did a single good thing while he's in the Navy. Yeah. This is why you have to like this is why you have to write stuff down when people are fuck ups. It's not because you hate them. It's because when you need to kick LRH out of the Navy, you need to have a paper <laughs> record. But LRH going to his commander, like just exasperated. There's no fucking paper trail for this time. He stole a whole yeah. boat. Yeah. Nobody nobody wrote like a, a bad performance chip. We can't do anything. Now his attempt to just, you know take command of an entire theater of operations became so well known and joked about within the Navy that Hubbard himself mentioned it in his book, though. I don't think they, that he uh, understood what was happening um, because they were laughing at him um, and Aww. his story. Now in Ron, the war hero, he, he says, quote, for the next two or three years, I'd run into officers and they say, Hubbard, Hubbard, are you the Hubbard that was in Australia? And I would say, <laughs> yes. And they would say, Oh, Kind of horrified, like they didn't know whether it was it was quite a good idea to talk to me or not. You know, terrible man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I also be like, you shit. are you the same guy with the with the boat thing? Um, now, depending on which LRH you talk to, uh, this either happened or didn't happen. Um, and in another version of the story, that he was uh, an anti aircraft gunnery commander, which he never was. Um, who was tasked with shooting down Japanese planes that got close to Brisbane and was armed only with a Thompson submachine gun. But and he was uh, also an officer. Yes. That's also, you don't shoot down planes with a fucking Thompson. That's not well, what that's you for. Don't. Yeah, LRH <laughs> certainly could. He'd use his mind bullets. That's right. 
Now, uh, after this, he was kicked out of the entire Pacific Theater. Um, (laughs) He was sent over to the cable censor office in New York and was, for reasons nobody is quite sure of why, promoted. Uh, This is the last time he'd be promoted. Um, Now, this is also officially his end of his time in the Naval Intelligence Branch, becoming a deck officer. Um, This is, yeah, because like they said, this guy can't do intelligence duties. He's a lunatic. Stashed in the office building, he got pissed and requested to be put on a ship. Any ship, preferably in uh, active combat. Instead, he was put on the MV Mist, which is a fishing trawler retrofitted for military <laughs> service. <laughs> and it was then renamed the YP-422, the YP being Yard Patrol, because oh, they were okay. literally only used for to put around the outside of naval yards for security. And he was in Massachusetts. He would not go near a war. Do you like? Do you believe that he really did even ask to go to war, or is um, that something probably. that he maybe like talked up after the fact? I fully believe that he was like, those guys just don't know what they had going for him. I would be the best goddamn gunnery op or whatever yeah, kind of officer yeah. when facing down the the Japanese Navy or whatever, because he thinks he's the best at everything. Right, that's true. He is like he does earnestly believe that about himself. That's the only thing I do believe about him when he says that he that he believes he could do this. I'm like, I I truly do believe that you believe that. All right, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he got fired in a month. <laughs> yeah, he was he was on that ship for a month. He couldn't do yard patrol for a month. Um, and he was, I believe, uh, he was in command of the boat because it's a fishing trawler. They're like whatever, put right. the fucking lieutenant in charge. Nobody yeah. cares. Um, and he got fired. Um, in October, he was sent back to New York again. And the vice chief of naval operations for the entire United States Navy remarked that Hubbard was, quote, not uh, temperamentally fit for independent command. Damn. <laughs> Imagine being such a fuck up, like the third guy in charge of the entire Navy in the middle of World War II is like, yeah, I know Hubbard. Yeah, right. You don't want you don't want them to know your name. Yeah. However, kind of like we pointed out, it's World War II, and the Navy's very, very desperate. And within another month, he was kicked over to a submarine chasing com- uh, training center in Florida and uh, learned how to command a uh, anti-submarine ship over the course of 10 whole days of training, um, at which point he was kicked over to Oregon and given the command of the USS PC-815, uh, which was a sub-chaser. Um, now, it's probably... Uh, you, some people might be wondering... Why the fuck was he stationed in Oregon? Uh, the reason is that there actually had been Japanese submarines that surfaced just outside of Oregon. Uh, one specifically in June of 1942, which is right before this. Um, a, a Japanese sub under the command of Tagami Meiji attacked Fort Stevens, Oregon, um, and yeah. did, did the dastardly duty of shelling the local baseball field. I would um, still be like, if you're the people of like Astoria, Oregon, you'd be pretty freaked out. Yeah, 100%. It was, it was all to uh, uh, like massage away their fears like look we have we have the best boats in the navy <laughs> to protect you in command of this we sent you our weirdo. finest <laughs> ginger <laughs> we sent you the finest officer we found in an office who was unemployed yeah we don't want this one anywhere near anything important that's why we're yeah. giving him to you that's why they stationed him in astoria oregon yeah uh, the, the the goonies hadn't quite set up shop there so they didn't have to worry that hadn't happened yet so there's nothing to lose he was gonna find that pirate treasure Right. I mean, quite honestly, that is what he believed he he was telling people that he was doing in the cult navy is that they were going around looking for oh, some right, treasure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he he is the original Goonie. 
Um, now, in May of 1943, Hubbard, the commanding officer and his crew, were about 12 miles off the shore of Camp Lo- or Cape Lookout, Oregon, when uh, Hubbard's sonar uh, detected something that resembled a submarine. Um, he, he looked at it, said, yep, and uh, began the, a, a riveting two-day-long battle uh, outside of Cape Lookout, which, you know, surprisingly, the Battle of Cape Lookout is not taught in schools for some reason. It, it was a two day long battle where Hubbard went toe to toe with two Japanese submarines firing off 35 depth charges, which remind you all of the depth charges he had on board. Uh, and when he ran out of that, he began firing cannon rounds when he swore that they, the, the, the subs had surfaced. Eventually, this battle was joined by Coast Guard ships. Other Navy uh, 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 sub chasers, an observation blimp, which is just fun. Okay, well, that um, person clearly was just having a good time. That guy, th- that's the true winner of, of oh, World yeah. War II, is the guy who got stationed to a blimp in Astoria, Oregon. You need to bring like, back yeah, the I'm blimp a World Corps. War II veteran. <laughs> I'm a blimp. Fuck the I'm from the Force. We don't need that. We need the Blimp Corps. Yeah, bring, bring back the Blimpies. That's what they, they, they call themselves. I don't know. Is that what they call themselves? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. All right. Think with it. Yeah, and the sandwich shop stole their stole their valor. Stealing blimp valor is actually <laughs> the only legitimate kind of stolen valor. Yeah, that's the only one that should still be illegal. Yeah. Yeah. Now Hubbard was the first officer on scene, so he was given command over this entire operation. Uh-huh. Um, now uh, the other ships, for some reason, didn't didn't see anything, and nobody else fired another shot. Uh, but it was only Hubbard that was just like blasting wildly, like he was in a John Woo film. Um, and eventually the, they'd left the area, blimp included. Um, Hubbard was sure that they sank a submarine. He swore they saw an oil slick on the water. Nobody else saw it. Um, and uh, the, the periscope that they were firing deck guns at, uh, one of the other um, ships were like, that's a log. That's a, that's a floating log, Ron. You're shooting at a log. I, mean, that's, uh, because- I was really worried this was going to end with like a very dead whale. <laughs> I mean, that would actually give him more credit because at least no. he saw something alive. Um, so, and, and funny enough, even in his own report, he notes that they shot at the periscope and then it disappeared and then came back, which is him describing how a log goes under the yeah. water and yeah. then comes back. <laughs> right. If you were shooting an enemy periscope, you know what it wouldn't do? Return. <laughs> Bob up and down like a piece of yeah. wood. Uh, so this was a magnetic deposit. Um, oh, yeah! Everybody knew about this, other than Hubbard. Apparently, um, he it was just, like, pretty. Didn't read the fucking briefs or whatever. Yeah, uh, it, it was a pretty well-known deposit of material that would cause the sonar to go wild whenever you were near it. Um, right. And he either didn't care enough or or wanted. I mean, he always wanted to be a war hero. Right. Yeah. Because uh, he made himself one in his own fa- made-up church. Uh, but everybody else knew about it. That's why they showed up like, oh, we're fucking here. God damn it, Ron. I'm just glad it wasn't a whale. I feel like this is a win for me and cetaceans everywhere. <laughs> uh, and we do have his report, which I have to say is written exactly like one of his books. <laughs> uh, here's some, uh, some excerpts I found funny. Quote, the first contact is very good. The, the target is moving left and away. The bearing was clear. The, the night was moonlit and the sea was flat calm, which is not how you That's fill not, an you didn't report. need to include that. <laughs> At one point, he describes the second day of fighting as, quote, dawn breaking over a glassy sea. <laughs> quote, all guns are now manned with great attention. And... 
It was supposed that the sub was trying to surface. Everybody was very calm. Gunners were joking about who would get in the first shot. I bet they were. Yeah, like you know, I'm sure they were very calm. The they're like the lieutenant's fucking stupid, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, hey, man, I think we're shooting at a like, log. Yeah, who's gonna have to shoot at this fucking log first? Um, now he ends his report with quote: "This vessel wishes no credit for itself. It was built to help hunt submarines. Its people were trained to hunt submarines. Although exceeding its orders originally by attacking at the first contact, this vessel feels that it's done its job. At which point it's been attended and stands ready to do it again. I love that it has morphed into he is writing at the perspective of the ship. Yeah, what the fuck." <laughs> Also, I love the acknowledgement that, like, yes, we broke the rules. Yes, we did exactly what we were told not to do, but we would do it again. Now, Sarah, what if I told you this is not be the, the the last time that he broke a lot of rules and attacked something that um, wasn't there? I would just be glad that he fulfilled his promise. Now, I will say that this imaginary naval battle uh, probably wouldn't have hurt him. Uh, this actually happened a lot. Uh, this is not the first time and during the show I've had to point out that someone was bombing a magnetic deposit or something. Um, this kind of thing happened um, frequently as jumpy people who thought that every inch of the sea was clogged full of Japanese submarines were relying on technology that was very new and didn't have all the kinks ironed out quite yet. Right. Um, but then he bombed Mexico. Uh, that all got him in trouble. Well, well, a part of Mexico. I mean, he he's dry, he's riding a a very small, barely armed ship. Thank God he couldn't do two. If you gave this motherfucker Wait, a battleship, was, was he still in the same ship or like a yes, same similar size? Yes. Same ship. Uh, so the the eight one five. Yeah, okay. you can tell it's inconsequential because the navy didn't even give it a name. They numbered that son of a bitch. Um, so in June, Hubbard, still in command, had taken the 815 off the coast of San Diego to take part in some naval exercises. When, on the return back to port, he decided it'd be a very good idea to take a slight detour for some unapproved and unplanned gunnery practice. Because he had, he had noted that the, the, the crew hadn't shot very often. Um, I guess they hadn't seen any more logs. Um, I just like, how do they keep putting him in charge of things? Right, like I know they're desperate, but really, just have an enlisted person do this. Uh, At this point, yeah, just fire him. He has a second command who can't be any worse. Literally, cannot be. I mean, I guess could be worse, but but a literal corpse would do less damage. Very unlikely. Yeah. Now, um, he ordered them to head for the nearby Coronado Islands to be used as a target for gunnery practice. The Coronado Islands are part of Mexico. Hubbard apparently did not know this and did not bother to check any fucking maps. Um, now, these islands were normally uninhabited in modern times, um, but as Mexico was as worried about Japanese subs as a, uh, because they're an ally of the United States, it had been turned into a duty station for Mexican Marines right. and uh, a small force of, of naval other naval personnel. Uh, so Hubbard ordered the ship to begin firing, which it did have like a pretty uh, like a, a small anti-submarine cannon. So thankfully, he did, like I said, he doesn't have a battleship out there or anything. Yeah. Um, he also had the crew test out their small arms, so machine guns, rifles, pistols, too. But they're all just firing them into an island. Yes, blindly. So they're not, yeah, they're not aiming at anything that is smaller than an island. Yeah, uh, they're doing the <laughs> amount of marksmanship that L. Ron Hubbard was uh, qualified to obtain, which was shelling he an island. Metal, okay, he earned that. And actually, he didn't hit the island all that well either. Uh, the sound of it definitely uh, freaked out the uh, Mexican Marines yeah. who were there who suddenly thought they found themselves in the middle of World War II. Like, holy fuck, it's real. Um, this went on for like three hours. 
Um, after this, the Mexican government kindly asked the United States, yo, what the fuck? Um, and Hubbard was fired. Um, <laughs> I don't like though, as he was about to be punished, he checked himself into the sick bay where he faked various different illnesses for two months. Uh, and this would not be the last time he did this. And we know that he's faking uh, because he admitted so. Um, so nice. after there's a period of his life where he wrote something called affirmations. Now, he didn't say that he wrote this. The church has all but admitted that he wrote it. It's effectively uh, an early form of Dianetics self-help. Okay. Uh, a confessional. He, he was reinventing confessions, which is a, a lot of what church belief is. Like they do auditing, which is effectively confessions right. as well. Um, but much more punitive. Oh, it's weird. <laughs> um, so he said, quote, your stomach trouble you use as an excuse to get out of the Navy from punishing you. <laughs> 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 so yeah, yeah, he admitted he was faking it. Though he did eventually have an ulcer, uh, like some kind of peptic ulcer of some kind. So he did have some stomach problems. But he's in the, he's in the hospital for months. Uh, but still, the Navy couldn't get rid of him. Remember, they needed officers, even one that fucking sucked. So they I stuck him. Just oh. <laughs> stop giving him jobs. Just put him, put him in New York. He can't hurt anything there. Um, I mean, he, he eventually got uh, put on the USS Algol, which was a cargo ship, like an, a ca- cargo landing ship. Doesn't have any guns. Can't bomb Mexico again. He's not in complete control. Fine. And this is actually where he did the best in his career, though even his commander noted, on top of giving him a good review, they said, quote, he's very temperamental and often has his feelings hurt. <laughs> Which I don't know how often that has to happen for that to end up in your fucking evaluation. I worked um, with a few people who were like, I would have written that in an evaluation for him. <laughs> um. And it, outside of like being a subordinate of a subordinate of a subordinate, far down a chain of command where he couldn't, his, his duties are very, very finite. He couldn't fuck them up. He couldn't accidentally bomb things or start wars with, with Poseidon. Uh, mm-hmm. He was fine. Um, and then there's a very, very weird incident that happened immediately after this. Um, while this ship was in mooring in San Pedro, California, he, went, he ran to his commander and reported that he had discovered an act of sabotage. He had what? discovered a uh, a firebomb, which had been made out of a Coke bottle, which were made out of glass back then, full of diesel with a wick in it. So he found a Molotov cocktail. Now, he found this, and then within a few hours of investigation, the commander immediately ordered him off the ship. Did he also make the firebomb? He almost certainly did, yeah. <laughs> 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 to make it's a lot easier to find the sabotage when you're doing the sabotage. Right, it's like that... Um, Fire. Uh, th- there was a story from a few years ago where a seasonal wildland firefighter started starting fire uh, wildfires yeah. so he'd get more work. So yeah, he's, he's that. Um, now it is true he did go to Princeton. However, it was after this. This this is like he didn't get demoted or anything for this. So I think what happened was is his commander found a way to get rid of him as fast as possible right. without having to submit paperwork, and that was getting him into that military government course in Princeton because they immediately got him off the fucking ship and he never returned. Yeah, right. Now, I should point out that he was not, in fact, a student of Princeton University. This school, this is a military class that simply took place in Princeton. Also, he failed it. Um, (laughs) He failed out of, like, military night school. Yeah. um, Now, the church likes to claim that he graduated from Princeton, um, but he went to a military school hosted by Princeton and failed, Um, at which point he was sent back to California where he checked himself back into the sick bay complaining about more stomach pains. Uh, he, he had an ulcer, but uh, he stayed in this hospital for the rest of the war. Um, how, how long was that? Wait, when did he get um, into the hospital? 
I want to say this was around a year. So he spent like, like, he would have spent like all told like 18 months of his military career just in the hospital. Significantly more time than he spent on a boat in the Navy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, like they would get rid of him and then he'd come back like within hours. Just uh, like symptoms are worse. Oh, now I can't see. We'll talk about his blindness a bit too because he claims blindness an awful lot. Um, I'm all the jerk in it. Yeah. <laughs> his mom said to make his palms hairy. Um, and that like, and it always happened. Like he would say that his symptoms were getting worse and they're like, we're going to put you on this ship. It's like, Oh, my tummy. To be fair. I mean, honestly, it's kind of incredible. That wouldn't work in today's, uh, military. Like, Oh, I don't feel good. Like we don't care. Like, Oh, you could probably try to figure it out, but you would have to be really, really willing to like basically just be treated like a fucking asshole. Yeah. And I'm sure he was, uh, it's just, and I'm not to say that like, Oh, in today's military. I just mean it's shocking that they let him get away with that in the middle yeah. of World War II. Like, no, fuck you. Get back on a boat. Right. Yeah. At some point, it's just going to be dereliction of duty or missing a missing a movement. Yeah. And most people consider this like a very long string of dereliction, though. I, I think what benefited him is that he had a long track record of being a fucking terrible officer. So when he was assigned to a boat and people like, who is this Lieutenant Hubbard? And they see his record like, you know, he right. can stay in the hospital. It's fine. Yeah, Yeah, yeah that's fine. Yeah. Now, the church notes that he was in this hospital for the last year to several months because of a war wound that he suffered in the Pacific. So, apparently, the Japanese shot him with an ulcer cannon. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't fucking know. He eventually resigned that, his like, commission. Headache cannon in, uh, yeah, in yeah, yeah. He, he had Havana syndrome. <laughs> yeah. Now, he eventually resigned his commission in 1950. Uh, and the church claims that this is because the Navy was going to steal all of his research. I don't know. I don't, what? I don't know what research, because remember, they also believe that he was in the office of Naval, well, they don't believe, they say he was in the office of Naval Intelligence, right, he's doing yeah. research about bioelectricity, um, all sorts of shit. the ulcer. And, uh, and the ulcer, yeah. Um, he spent the rest of his time uh, between this and, and starting Scientology and a few other things. He got really into the occult after this uh, as yeah, well. Yeah, so this is whole, before, like, yeah, he was with Alistair Crowley and shit. Yeah, there's a whole um, like orgy that went on. Yeah, they they attempted to summon what the the moon demon goddess or some shit. It oh it, it was a sex cult, and he still summons girlfriend. Yeah, um, it's, it's honestly a very funny story, but we're not the podcast for it. <laughs> um, he now he spent the time between uh, that uh, and getting out of the navy, um, trying to build the the navy for more money. He was claiming that he was blind and suffering from horrible racking stomach pain uh, in order to get his disability rate bumped up. And he was originally given a 10% rating for the ulcer, which sounds accurate. That sounds like yeah. what the navy would give you. Like, we'll give you 10% to fuck off, um, yeah. especially in regards to ulcers or something. Um, now, This is what Hubbard wrote about his time, and this is from Ron the War Hero. Uh, Quote, blinded and injured optic nerves and lame with physical injuries to the hip and back at the end of World War II. I faced an almost non-existent future. My service record states this officer has no neurotic or psychotic tendencies of any kind whatsoever. But it also states permanent disability, uh, permanently disabled physically, which, yes, it would say that because... He's a 10% disability rating, which means yeah. legally you are physically disabled. You get that um, note for a 0% disability rating. Well, it, specifically, the church points to the, the fact that the VA rates him as permanently physically disabled right. because right. 
That's the point of a VA rating. They give you right. a disability. And of, of course, we know this. They give you a disability rating because it is non-fixable, ergo permanent. Um, not because you are physically not able to get out of your bed forever. They gave yeah. him, he's physically disabled due to ulcers. <laughs> like one of my ratings is for tinnitus. Yeah, I think I have that one too. I am not like impaired because I have tinnitus. I just get ringing in my ears. Right. And your paperwork would say if you stubbed your toe really bad and then they like couldn't fix it, you're physically and permanently disabled because they can't fix it. This is something yeah. that no matter what they do, it will not go away. Therefore, it's you're permanently disabled. That's just the language that they use on these things. So he used this later as evidence saying like, look, they said I was permanently disabled and I fixed myself using my, my Dianetic skills or whatever. Um, you know, which, yeah, he got 10%. <laughs> might be better than some VAs though. Yeah, maybe. Um, now eventually years later, a guy named Jerry Armstrong, uh, who was a member of the church and was the church's chosen biographer for him was researching, uh, Hubbard's history, specifically his military history amongst so many other things that he lied about. I was like, wow, this all seems like bullshit to me. Um, <laughs> and you know, he went to the church and said like, you know, some of these things don't add up, um, between right. the records that you're giving me and his notes. Cause like what Hubbard said and what the church say don't even match up because he lied so often the church long since stopped giving up trying to uh, trying to make the two match. Uh, really so like you wonder like how they chose Jerry Armstrong when like they didn't need somebody who was good at writing biographies. They needed somebody who like implicitly understood the bullshit. Right. Um, I think it, it was one of those guys that's like like I, I've there was a period of, of my life where I was really into Scientology not like believing in it but like learning about it uh, because it's How very interesting to me <laughs> hey i could levitate now just i can't show you for some reason uh me me and tom cruise are on the same spaceship uh but like how the fuck this got so popular because it's obviously ridiculous right i mean right, admittedly yeah. it's not any more ridiculous than any other religion in my opinion the just main difference is we watched it be born so it's inherently weird it um, is a little bit more predatory in like how it of course numbers, but yeah, yeah, fundamentally, right? Like the belief yeah. structure is not like a weirder belief structure than other religions. Yeah, a space god throwing nukes around is no different than like the burning bush and shit. Um, yeah. And if people could just go to a church and not be preyed upon for money and have like horrible disconnection policies, then I'd say whatever, I don't care. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's kind of like when we talked a long, long time ago during our episode about the, the weird Mormon militias that like that line was crossed. They're very militant and dangerous. So it's like, yeah, yeah we can make fun of them. Um, but like a lot of people point out that like, yeah, of course I believed in all this until like this happened. And for a lot of like the very well off people, it was like learning about the Xenu shit. And they're like, yeah, be fucking kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> um, or for other people, it was like learning more about L. Ron Hubbard. Like, this guy's a fucking yeah. idiot pillhead. And at this point, he's still alive. Like, uh, Hubbard's not dead yet when this happened. Oh. Yeah. Um, he dies a few years later, uh, and he does not attend court. Um, he I, During the later part of his life, even the church really, he wasn't even involved in it. Right. Uh, he was living as like, a, despite the fact he was fantastically wealthy, from the church. He was living a life as a weird drifter, like ultra paranoid off his fucking tits on pills. So like, yeah, yeah he would, he would, didn't have a lot to do with the day to day running of this shit. No, wasn't one of his things that he just like, didn't want to be alone. And so he would constantly just like show up to prominent church members houses and be like, Hey, I'm going to like stay here for a month. Entertain me. <laughs> fucking hot couch. Uh, L Ron Hubbard. 
Um, Everybody has to call around like, who's got L. Ron Hubbard this weekend? <laughs> um, but yeah, this was this Jerry Armstrong guy's like, what the fuck are we doing here moment? It's like these, especially because like a lot of the military records were pretty, they're pretty obviously lies. I mean, his own right. uh, other interviews that he was watching or books he wrote, because he still was writing during all of this as well churning out sci-fi the way only pulp authors uh, authors can mm-hmm. which i i one of the few things i respect about him is his output is incredible i guess the pills help i don't know i'm not there they probably help yeah i write one book a year i could probably up that up to like three if i had uncut meth like he did <laughs> um Knock until you try it yeah yeah anyway what watches like that reminds me i think it was like in living color or something else uh snl one of those skit comedy things had a, a pre-workout that was just like, or is a dietary method and it was just meth. That is no, but that's like a thing that people at like uh, pharmaceutical companies have totally sold diet pills that were just amphetamines. Yeah. They got banned um, after a lot of people's hearts exploded. Yeah. I think like Fenfen was one of them. I remember that Fen-Fen being a big deal when I was them. a kid. Yeah. yeah that, that, that was one. That, that took out so many fucking people's bad hearts. Good God. Um, the one, yeah. Anyways, that's a separate thing entirely. <laughs> uh, but this was the coming come to Jesus moment for for uh, old uh, Armstrong here, and he went to like his church head because he was still a believer. And he was mm. like, "What what should I do here?" And he right. immediately got fucking thrown out of the church. Oh. Um, but on his way out, he uh, scooped up a whole bunch of documents with him and fucked off because uh, they're like the okay. original documentation. Uh, he was put out as a suppressive person, um, which is considered out in bad standing with the church um and he could be fucked with legally or otherwise have his life destroyed um uh, a process the church insists that they no longer do but uh they they probably do um and this came to the court trial or the 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 court case uh, because he was sued for various different reasons by the church Uh, i assume there's a contract involved between him and the church when it came to writing this book and he broke that contract on on top of you know stealing what was church property that being the documents they brought the church uh, they brought the court um the trial lasted for four weeks in 1984 and it ended with the discovery of hilariously even more lies uh because the church was using their own evidence to prove that everything that he was saying was wrong while uh, Armstrong and his attorneys were using the documents that they had, as well as people in the Navy who knew Hubbard, uh, which included <laughs> a guy named Thomas Moulton. Yeah. That's incredible. So they called Thomas Moulton, who was Hubbard's second in command on the 815. Yes. And it was just like, so what was what was your career like? Did you guys see any hot combat? Or any, like, were you with him Ish. when he got wounded? And he was like, uh, and now Moulton, of course, is like that. None of that ever happened. But also he said that Hubbard had a habit of telling people that he had survived the attack on Pearl Harbor. He was not <laughs> even in the Navy at the time. And he had also been the only survivor on his entire destroyer. Um, yeah. What? So, so he was not only was he just like uh, a reflexive liar when it came to his own church, like even in his day to day life before he was a big shot, like just a fucking lieutenant. He was yeah, lying about like everything. This is like a compulsion for him. Yeah. The church contended that the naval records that Armstrong brought uh, uh, that showed you know, his real history, which was a normal career with a very normal amount of ribbons and medals that, dis- that decidedly showed that he was not a combat veteran, were faked. Um, and they had his real paperwork, of which showed, amongst other things, two Purple Hearts and like 25 different medals. There's a lot. 
Um, uh, most of this doesn't matter to me. We'll talk about one in, in question that's very funny. Um, for the records, so they easily like of the records that the military keeps, which have not always been like very thorough. Medals and like just your DD two fourteen that has been like pretty consistent for a very long time, and just yeah. like being something that you can pull publicly. Yeah, like you can pull ours pretty easily. I mean, it's they're FOIAed, uh, they, so everything gets yeah. blacked out. But like, like for instance, uh, I actually don't have a combat action badge on my DD two fourteen because uh, I didn't. I just never submitted it. And like my my records have my last name, like my DD, my combat action badge is my last name spelled incorrectly. And I think I've, I've joked about <laughs> that before. And I know I've actually posted it to Twitter because uh, someone a- did FOIA my records once. Um, way way back in the day, um, several years ago, when Hooligans first came out, and a lot of people got mad, uh, and 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 someone was insistent that I was lying, and none of this ever happened. So they FOIA'd my records, and like, look, he doesn't even have a combat action badge, which not everybody has one, even if you've been in yeah. combat. It all depends if your commander wants to submit paperwork or not. I'm like, and I'm two, missing like, one. I'm missing an award because I got it awarded to me three weeks before I got out of the navy, and it just didn't <laughs> like the paperwork wasn't submitted in time. Right. And like, right. Um, like I have it. It was mailed to me after the fact, but no, it's not in my records and I just don't really give a shit. Right. And that's kind of why I never submitted mine as well. Like I got uh, uh, awarded it, have the paperwork and they're like, oh, make sure you submit that uh, to, for whatever, for whatever iperms or whatever. Yeah. Um, and at that point, I already knew I was getting out. So yeah. I was like, why do I care about promotion points? I'm not getting promoted. I'm getting the fuck out. And that's what I did. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. Anyways, it, yeah, it's all but, just stuff that is so easy to like look up. It has been easy to look up for decades. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're lying, I mean, and it's it's like some it's, it's small shit. It's not like a bronze star or a silver star or right. purple heart, which are very that, those are going to be there. Yeah. Um, uh, and famously, when this goes to court, you can just be like, so like the thing is like you could ask the Navy for records and they will have all of your records, even not the 214 that they'll have that has yeah. ever been submitted in your name, even back then. Um, and like that will come up and the Navy's like, he's going to be fucking purple hearts. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, he like claimed um, to have been up around Alaska for months too. And that just feels like a really easy one to, to like poke holes. in, since he was never anywhere, like the closest he got to Alaska was fucking Oregon. <laughs> that's not even the first like adventurer thing that he lied about i mean he he truly saw themselves some revolutionary adventurer um he he wanted to be that guy in the 1800s or whatever that yeah. that found an island and befriended the locals he wanted to be that so he wanted bad to be the white savior so bad and you oh, never trust somebody yeah. who wants to be the white savior i'm shocked he never ended up in hawaii uh so he'd get cooked on the shore but you know unfortunately <laughs> But uh, King Command Man can take this one out for us. Um, Now, uh, he also submitted records that showed he was, quote, been crippled and blinded. Uh, Right. Now, the record they submitted was the one that I had quoted from above, um, which was uh, from the book that Hubbard wrote himself. um, The one that, you know, he was crippled and blinded and physically disabled permanently. Other notes they submitted as evidence uh, that they claimed were from the military or the hospital were handwritten and clearly in Hubbard's own handwriting. <laughs> um, they found a colonel uh, who, who supported their theory that the, mil- that the military or the government had altered his papers or what, a process he delightfully called sheep dipped for some reason. What? Those, paper- those papers have been sheep dipped. Of, of Yeah, that's... Ob- obviously. Sure. They, uh, 
If they pin down a sheep and just rub the papers all over them, tracking you, sir. Got it. To get rid of the static, yeah. Now, uh, he he admitted on court uh, in court, however, that uh, all of the resources he used to come to that conclusion had been given to him by the church. So, uh, yeah, he was paid, probably. Yeah. He, I, there was no evidence he was a church member, but he is, however, very stupid. So we do have that going for us. You can us. always find somebody who's a little bit naive and has a grudge that will say whatever you want. Yeah, true. Now, adding to the wounded story in court, this expanded to two different wounds, one the Pacific and one the Atlantic. Now, the one in the Atlantic isn't very specific, but the one the, in, in the Pacific was supposed to have happened off the coast of Java, which is a place he never was. The closest he'd ever... Now, I will say this. He was, in fact, in the Pacific Theater at one point in Australia. Yeah. Um, However, uh, we actually, from the, from the date he says he was wounded, we have a medical report that uh, was submitted four months after that date. And remember, this wound is supposed to be pretty severe. It was a chest wound. It was supposed to have crippled him. Um, uh, so in 1942, he had pink eye hemorrhoids and, quote, urethral discharges. Gross. Get the clap. Yeah. Yeah. Get the clap. <laughs> Motherfucker, don't rub your eyes. Wash your, ga- wash your damn hands. <laughs> Those goddamn Japanese submarines shot me full of VD and shit in my eyes. <laughs> it's the only possible solution here. Uh, now, one thing he can, the church and him continually bring up the fact that he was blinded. They use the word blinded a lot. He yeah, was not when blind. You rubbed a bunch of gonorrhea into your fucking eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> the poop is mixing with the clap. It's forming a, a film over my eyeball. Some sort of like super conjunctivitis. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about his eyesight because he did have eyesight, oh. uh, bad eyesight. The Navy notes that he had very bad eyesight. And that's actually why when he originally attempted to join the Navy, he was refused from active naval service and why he ended up in the reserve. And then by the time oh. he was a- moved over, it didn't fucking matter. World War II happens. We'll, right. give Mr. Mag- we'll give Mr. Magoo a rifle. We don't give a shit. That makes the organ thing that much funnier, too. Motherfucker couldn't <laughs> see shit, and he's out here describing a glassy sea. Well, the thing is, is, the Navy actually found a revolutionary new way to correct his eyesight with, using a device glasses. known as glasses. Yes. <laughs> uh, they noted it was corrected to 2020 using glasses. Now, another bit of evidence from around the war here is pretty funny. Uh, and a case of Hubbard lying so often, he just can't keep his shit straight. So remember when he spent the entire rest of his career in a hospital? Um, now, and he crippled and blinded, unable to get up the scripters that he used. Uh, this is a, a quote from a Ron, the war hero quote. There is of course, nothing in Hubbard's file that would support these claims. In fact, for the man who had supposedly been quote, physically shot to pieces, which is another term he uses. Uh, he seemed to have led a remarkably active life during this time In two separate statements he made in 1950, uh, in the 1950s, Hubbard claimed that while on leave in Hollywood on July 25th, 1951, he was attacked by three petty officers, one with a broken bottle. However, because of the advanced knowledge of judo, Hubbard was able to fight them off. Simply judo his way out of that fucking problem. Yeah. uh, And Ron the War Hero points out, this is a very impressive, if not impossible, for a blinded cripple. Uh, (laughs) End quote. Uh, I don't like using that word, but it is used in all of the quotes. I apologize. Um, I just love the idea. Like, it's obviously made up of three petty officers, just like three E4s and E5s are so sick of his shit. They track him attack him with these. a broken bottle. Yeah. Now, the, the obvious problems with the story being that he's supposed to be bedridden and he just fucking judo chopped his way out of a fucking three-way bar fight. And two, this happened in 1951. He'd been in the Navy for a fucking year. 
who is he taking leave from? You know. <laughs> However, my personal favorite is the forgery that the church uh, submitted for evidence um, to be his real file that they had in their uh, in their locked safe or whatever. Uh, it claims that he was awarded the quote Dutch Victory Medal. What? This was not a medal given out for World War II service. It was, however, given out during World War I, and his dad was awarded it. <laughs> That's the one he chose from his dad to try to steal? Yeah, uh, he, w- he would have been about seven years old uh, <laughs> at the, the end of World he, War I. Like, fighting to protect a bunch of tulips? <laughs> uh, creating the world's first NFTs. Um, <laughs> now, uh, another funny thing here is on that... Uh, those records, right? The, the yeah. ye old DD-214. Now, all DD-214s are signed by a discharging officer. Though I think mine is probably signed by an NCO or something because I was listed. Mm-hmm. Mine um, was signed by a civilian. Oh, perfect. Uh, upon investigation, it was discovered that the name used of the, for the discharging officer was si- that was signed on the paperwork simply did not exist. Yeah. Yep. There we go. Which meant that uh, it was pretty obviously a complete forgery. Um, and, and honestly, the, 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 the best part about this whole thing is they actually had his real signature, yeah. like the actual discharge paperwork. Right. They could have just used that name, they, but they, they didn't. They signed so many DD-214s. They're not like they don't go over them. They're not going to remember no, this guy. You could have just not. used their name. Well, not to mention if you use the real name and they do find this guy, say he's still alive, retired, whatever. Like, hey, did you yeah. sign the discharge paperwork for uh, Lafayette, Ronald Hubbard? It's like, yeah. Yes. There's a record yeah. of that. And like, instead they just like, I don't know, Calvin Smith, USNC or whatever. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. In case you're wondering, the church lost the shit out of this case. Um, oh, and, that might have been one of the last times they lost a court case. Oh, there's a better one. Uh, this, this, so the, we don't have, normally have positive things to say about the United Kingdom on this podcast. But I will sure. say this, that w- their courts are very blunt in their rulings, and sometimes it's very funny. Uh, so there's another court case about virtually the same thing going on a few weeks later, maybe it was a few months, in the UK's Royal Courts of Justice. And the judge, Justice Lately, put it thusly in his final statement. Quote, that he was a much decorated war hero. He was not. That he, was, that he commanded a Corvette squadron. He did not. That he was awarded the Purple Heart, a gallantry decoration for those wounded in action. He was not wounded and he was not decorated. <laughs> that he was crippled and blinded in war and cured himself with Dianetics techniques. He was not crippled, he was not blinded, and he never fought in war. <laughs> it's just like running down a checklist and going, nope, nope. So you you nope. might see why if you go to their website now, their, their, their details about his war history is significantly trimmed back. <laughs> Um, and that is the uh, the illustrious, uh, incredible military career of Lafayette Ronald Hubbard, uh, Lieutenant Senior Grade. That is like so much stupider than I expected it to be. I when you honestly when you um, I knew about some of this because like yeah, I've, I, I, I read Boldface Messiah the, before. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've I heard about his bombing the magnetic deposit. Or the mineral deposit that was magnetic, whatever. Um, I've heard about the Mexico thing. Uh, I had a vague understanding about a lot of the dumb shit. I didn't know about the full breadth of it, and uh, I can I can honestly say, very happy. I'm very pleased with this. <laughs> sounds like um, it was a real pain in the ass. Yeah. Right. Um. I uh, am okay. 
imagine you're that that molten guy that got called in. Oh yeah, fucking thirty years later or whatever. And he's like, "What the fuck did like imagine thirty years from now you're called to testify against some shithead officer that you served with very briefly because they started a fucking cult and started suing people." That would be so fucking funny. There are so many people I've worked with that, like, if I got called to testify, like, for or against them, I would agree to do it, and I would just shit talk on, like, in <laughs> under court. oath. I would, yeah, under oath, just talk about how much they sucked to work with. Uh, it does sound kind of great, honestly. Um, yeah. And they're like, "Wait, what did Ron do now?" Oh, yeah, right. He started Scientology. Oh, great. Like, this is before. Like, it's I mean, fucking confusing. There's a really good chance that he had no fucking idea what Scientology was because it's the yeah. 80s. The internet isn't a thing. You it was can't like, like localized at first too, right? Where it was like devoted followers, but they were all kind of internal to each other. I mean, if it, I think it really depended on where this guy lived. Um, like if you lived in California, because like uh, they were huge in LA. I think they actually right. still are. Um, you probably fucking heard about them. Because um, they did like their st- Dianetics stress tests as recruitment drives. Oh, Not to mention right. Dianetics blew the fuck up, despite the fact every fucking psychologist on Earth called it like, this is point, what the fuck are you talking about? This is like what? actively harmful. Which is why the church rapidly pivoted to seeing psychology and like uh, they compare psychologists to Nazis and like death camps and shit. Yeah, of course. Um, it's all based on spite. Uh, as all yeah, of- Talking about your feelings, that's some Nazi shit. Everybody knows that. Yeah, if you, unless unless you're doing it in our not ominous looking building at all. Um, so, Sarah, we do a segment on this show called uh, "Questions from the Legion." Um, and if if you'd like to do, uh, ask a question from the Legion, donate to the show. It's like a, a buck, get access to the Patreon. We have a running uh, post from March. I'll have to make another one um, mm-hmm. where it's like 170 comments now. Fuck. Um, of, di- of different questions and I'm slowly working my way through them. Um, so this question comes from the Patreon. It says, what is the best prank you've ever witnessed? Okay. So to preface, I was an Intel, which means I only worked with a bunch of loser nerds and I was a loser <laughs> nerd. So the, Same. the best... I was an Intel, best, but I am a loser nerd. The best prank that I witnessed wasn't because the prank was good. It's because of how poorly executed it was. Where when I got to Tradoc, a bunch of people who were in the holding department, like holding division, wanted to prank one of our chiefs. Um, but again, losers and nerds. And so what they came up with was just wrapping everything in his office in tinfoil, which like wrapping everything in like plastic wrap or gift wrap is like is a, a prank people will do sometimes. But I have no Especially idea why the they toilet. went with it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why they went with tinfoil, though. So everything was very shiny, which was pretty funny. But also, it was, like, loud. It was just, like, crinkly as fuck while they're all, like, giggling to themselves in this office. And then they're all getting, like, cut on sharp-ass tinfoil. <laughs> and so they do this for, like, the a whole day. The real prank is we covered on- his office in our blood. Uh, I know. He's on leave, too. So, like, they do this while he's on leave. It, it just looks like shit. And then he gets back, and he doesn't do or say anything to react to it. So they went through hours and, you know, rolls and rolls of fucking tinfoil. And then he just sort of like crumpled it all up and put it in the garbage and never responded to it. I think that's the way to go about that, because the the point of a prank is to get a reaction out of someone. Oh, yeah. He won. Yeah, he he won that hands down. Um, I think the best prank I ever witnessed. And once upon a time, I'm sure it doesn't exist anymore. 
there was a video of it. Uh, and if I had the video, I couldn't show it anyway because it's just nudity. Um, so <laughs> uh, I actually, I think I wrote about this in Hooligans, but I don't remember. Um, there was, we had a shower trailer on our tiny little outpost that worked, you know, one day out of the week. So we'd all rush in there and get showers. Uh, and there was one guy in our unit who was very uncomfortable being around other naked people, which fine, whatever. That's not what the prank is about. But it also meant that we knew he showered late at night and alone. Um, <laughs> so uh, in the shower, it was it was winter. So like nobody wanted to stay in the shower trailer for very long. Uh, so like you effectively just ran a towel over yourself real quick and then ran out to get back to the tent where the heater worked. Um and two people in my squad climbed to the top of the shower trailer with a fuckload of baby powder because it was like the one thing that we had a ton of because you use baby powder for a lot of shit when you're constantly doing disgusting foot patrols and stuff and barely showering. Um, and they popped the cap on these two giant, like, I don't know, this, this, this is enough baby powder to last like years one to four on a baby's lifespan. <laughs> um, popped the top on both of them and they waited for him to come out. Um, and his name was Sergeant Blue. I don't know if he listens to the show, but <laughs> sorry, dude. I actually had no part of it. I only witnessed it because we had these cameras that were meant to, of course, scan the road outside in case we get attacked or whatever because we're in the middle right. of a war zone. Uh, and we pointed them inward so we could watch because we knew the prank was coming, <laughs> like responsible soldiers. Um, and I was one of the people watching. Blue walks out and the guy is just dump fucking baby powder on him. He disappears. In a cloud of white. Um, and it's just stuck to him. Uh, so he has to like, he goes back in because he has to take another shower. <laughs> he's like covered in sludgy baby powder. Yeah, it's stuck to him because he's wet. So he goes back in and take nice. a, yeah, he's probably better than the rest of us. Um, comes back out. He gets it again. Oh my God. And at this point, he just stays naked and starts trying to climb the trailer to get at these guys, assuming that, you know, with the first one, you'd be out of your system. But that's where you'd be wrong, because uh, what, what the fuck else are we going to do, right? You had foresight. Um, there was planning involved here. Yeah, we literally used military resources to prank him. <laughs> um, and at this, so he's scrabbling up on this thing naked because you couldn't put on his 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 clothes because they were now covered in baby powder so he's just gonna walk back on a towel um so yeah it was like a high-speed naked guy chase through the outpost covered in white no definitely not um and then the the afghan commandos who are living with us are very confused (laughs) (laughs) um yeah that was that i really wish i stole that fucking video but alas i do not probably better for him that you don't yeah probably i mean it's probably better for him that people don't pour baby powder on him either but whatever Sometimes you've got a lot of baby powder and nothing to do with it, though. Like, whom's among us? And that's exactly how these bad things happen. Is like nobody disliked him. This wasn't like done yeah. out of spite. Like, if if no. we hated someone, we wouldn't prank them. We just don't care about them. Yeah. Um, but you know, boredom and baby powder equals naked guy covered in baby powder. Oh, but what if um, it had been powdered lube? You know, <laughs> very slippery. <laughs> uh sarah thank you so much for joining us uh plug your show i have a show um i have a podcast that i put out occasionally um called it came from the sea where i talk about ocean science and ocean related topics you can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts and we are also on twitter at from the sea pod it's the first podcast and specifically in whale song i wish maybe <laughs> one day get, get a that's what my degree is gonna be in actually yeah <laughs> Uh, whale linguist 
Um, everybody, thank you for listening to the show. If you like what we do here, consider donating to the show. Get bonus stuff. Um, or don't. It's your money. Do with it what you want. Or leave us a review. That's free. And I don't know why it helps us, but it does. Because algorithm algorithms are things that exist, if I can say the word correctly. Um, and uh, until next time, lie about your military service and start a sci-fi cult. Do it. <laughs>